Please be seated. As I followed the news about Hurricane Harvey in Houston and elsewhere this week, among the many feelings I've had, I've I've marveled at the faith in such a situation. I know a couple who are married to each other. They're both priests, Josh and Sarah Condon. Josh was the curate at um, the Church of Christ in St. Stephen's uh, before Mark Collins, who then served this parish. Um, Sarah is at a huge church in Houston, and uh, she's an associate there. So she took the kids and got out of town, (laughs) appropriately enough. Um, Josh is rector of another church in Houston, a smaller one with a school, and he stayed put. And so I've been watching on Facebook as he has put out the word for supplies, um, inviting parishioners to let the church know how they're doing, um, getting in a boat and going out after people. Um, I've marveled at that faith. And as often happens in such a situation, I wonder what would I do if I were there Many of us in New York had a test run of a similar thing with 9-11, or those of you who were here during uh, Storm Sandy. Um, But it's always a question for me. Would my faith be strong enough to um, equip me to do what needs to be done? Um, Or would I feel an overwhelming urge simply to retreat and go take a long nap somewhere? That question of what sustains us, what, what keeps us rooted, what keeps us in a place of firm foundation runs throughout today's scriptures. Um, with the other side of that, what happens when we feel like we're, we're knocked off our foundation or when a storm sort of blows us away? Last week, Jesus called Simon Peter after his Aramaic word for Peter, rock. And he said, from now on, you'll be known as the rock. You're that tough. You're that strong. You are the foundation on which the whole church will be built. This week, the rock has become dislodged. It's fallen out of place. It's become a stumbling block. How does that happen? How does that happen in our lives, and and what do we do when that happens, whether through uh, natural disasters or the disasters of every day? We're we're knocked off course. We're knocked out of place. Uh, What do we do when we're put in a place where we find ourselves a stumbling block to another person or to God? Well, we're not alone in this phenomenon. In today's gospel, we see Peter again, last week, strong like a rock, this week, sinking in quicksand. Last Sunday, Peter was top of the world, having misunderstood Jesus on several occasions, having lost his faith and found it again, having walked on water for a little bit and then given up and fallen in and then come back out with Jesus having denied Jesus after the resurrection and then being redeemed. Last Sunday's gospel, again, Jesus emphasizes, Peter, you're a rock. You're strong enough to build everything on. And then this week, if 
CNN or another media outlet were following the story, Peter might appear under having had the worst week. (laughs) Worst week for Peter, for getting in the way, for slowing down the coming of the kingdom of God, for being called Satan by Jesus Christ. Peter, you had the worst week. (laughs) How exactly did this happen? How did the rock crumble? How did the rock fall out of place? How did Peter the rock become Peter the problem? I think it has to do a lot with Peter's image of who Jesus is and Peter's perception of what God is up to. Earlier in Matthew's Gospel, Peter recognizes Jesus as the Messiah, as God incarnate. He says as much. He he names it rightly. He gets the gold star. But then very quickly, Peter begins to get his own ideas of what that means. Raised in the Jewish tradition, he has images of what it means to be a Messiah. Having heard that word king over and over again, Peter knows what a king is. And so he immediately casts Jesus into that role. And so Peter begins to imagine Jesus not so much in the image of God's making, But Peter sees Jesus in the image of Peter's making. Jesus is a king, a great leader like Caesar in Peter's mind, or or at least like a powerful temple priest or local ruler. Maybe like the other disciples, Peter might have begun to have certain expectations about his placement in that new kingdom, that new reign of God. Maybe Peter would be just to the right of Jesus in that new kingdom. Maybe Peter would be in charge of something big, something important. Maybe Peter would have a huge responsibility. After all, hadn't Jesus put him in charge, called him the rock Great things are coming, it's only a matter of time. You can see how Peter would begin to believe this. And so how strange to hear Jesus begin to explain what's going to happen. Where Jesus says that Jesus must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Well, of course, Peter interrupts. No, no way, Lord, this can't happen. God forbid it. I forbid it. It's not going to happen to you. I won't let it happen. And with that statement, a statement that shows Peter's willfulness to take control, Peter's moving into the role of God a little bit right here, Peter immediately falls out of place as foundational rock for the church. Instead, he's in a new place as a stumbling block. And Jesus is sharp with Peter. Get behind me, Satan. Many of you know or have heard that that word we know in English as Satan um, doesn't so much refer to a little red man with a tail and a pitchfork. It would be easy if that's all it were. Instead, Satan or Satan in the Hebrew means the accuser. Think of Jesus right after his baptism when he goes into the wilderness and he's tempted not by a little red man with a tail, but he's tempted by voices of accusation that raise questions. Can you really turn these stones into bread? 
What happens if you fall off a cliff? Won't God's angels get you? These accusing voices that lived in Jesus' human head and these voices of accusation that live within each of us, that's the Satan, the accuser. The one who sneaks up behind us and whispers in our ear, you know, you really can't do such and such. You don't have the education or the background or the ability and no one's going to listen to you and no one's going to pay any attention. So just, just don't even try. That's the stuff of Satan. To suggest cutting corners, no one will notice. No one's keeping track. To take the easy way out, why should you have to work so hard? Why should you do it the long way? That voice of accusation says, look out for yourself. No one else is going to do it. You've got to look out for number one. Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me, to God's church, for you're setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. You see, it's Peter's own agenda that's getting in the way, that's displacing God's foundation, that's, that's clogging things up. It not only slows down what God can do in Peter's life, but it slows down, if not stops, all that God wants to do around Peter. We see a similar thing in our first reading about Jeremiah. Jeremiah is God's chosen prophet. Jeremiah has been working hard. He's been, he's been preaching. He's been speaking hard truth to a, a lazy and self-satisfied Jerusalem. Jeremiah points out with, with Babylon to the north and Egypt to the south, Jerusalem's days are numbered unless they remember their first love, God. But even as he warns the city, Jeremiah begins to fall victim to his own doubts, his own despair, and then his own fears consume him. He laments to God, I've done my part. I've said the difficult things and I've stood up for you, God, but no one's listening. And then that voice of accusation enters into Jeremiah's hearing. He begins to doubt his ministry. He doubts the goodness of God. He asks God in the honesty of his prayer, Why is my pain unceasing, my wound incurable, refusing to be healed? Truly, God, you're like a deceitful brook. You're like waters that dry up and fail. God is like a mirage. Jeremiah, through his own doubt and despair, becomes a kind of stumbling block to himself, to God's way. But look what happens. God picks him up. God picks Jeremiah up and puts him where he needs to be. And God dusts him off and puts him down gently and says, I am with you. I am with you to save you and to deliver you, says the Lord. I'll deliver you out of the hand of any wicked and redeem you from the grasp of the ruthless now and forever. Peter was the rock 
last week, and the scriptures last week especially encouraged us as God's people to to think with Peter and believers of every age and place what it means for us to be called as, as building blocks of what God is doing in our age. What does it mean for us to be living stones of a church? Not a physical church, but a church that's out and about changing the world for God. As living stones, we we do what we can. We try to be Christ's body in the world. We, We offer strength to the weak, refuge to those who don't quite fit in elsewhere. We attempt to feed the hungry, both the physically hungry and the spiritually hungry. We do our part to be rock with rock, stone alongside stone. But even so, sometimes we we fall out of place. We fall out of the wall, a little like some of our own stones and bricks do around us. We fall out of place like Jeremiah. Sometimes we're just tired, tired of trying to be faithful. And so we might begin to doubt and despair. We can easily become self-consumed and wonder, are we going to get our share? When will it come? Or maybe we fall out of faithful place like Peter and we, we get our own ideas about what God's kingdom really ought to be and how it ought to go. And so we put our, ourselves in charge and try to get things done for ourselves We get filled up with our own sense of what we want or what we think we deserve or how God should be blessing us. We forget to listen for God and all that. Who knows how we might do it? St. Paul warns us against becoming stumbling blocks for others through the way we live. When our lips say one thing but our lives say another... Perhaps we should go back to that that gorgeous reading from Romans that Dudley read, especially as Dudley read it. It's so beautiful. We should just do Lectio Continuo and have him read it again and again and again till it soaks into us. What does it look like for us to be God's people, God's living stones? Well, the good news of today's gospel is that we are just that. We are God's living stones. We, each of us is hand-carved and perfectly created to be God's person in the world. God never forgets God's intention in creating us and crafting us. There's no flood strong enough to wash that away. There's no earthquake strong enough to dislodge us from that place of origin. Each of us is precious in his or her own place in the building of God's kingdom. Whether the storms of this world threaten to dislodge us from the places of spiritual stability or or whether we become stumbling blocks to ourselves, God, through God's grace, gently kneels down and scoops us off and brushes us off and places us once again into a faithful place. We can give thanks for God's grace, God's favor that goes with us always, helping us to be God's house of living stones, even as we seek to offer strength and support to others. We can give thanks that God has created us to be strong and to last forever. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.